Section eight Amadis of Gaul by Vasco de Libera Translated by Robert Southey. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Book one, chapters seventeen and eighteen. Amadis of Gaul, chapter seventeen, of the things which happened to Agriez after the War of Gaul. After Agriez had returned from the War of Gaul, he prepared to cross to Norway, where was his lady, Olinda. One day, when he was hunting, he came to a high rock upon the seashore, and there arose a sudden storm, and he saw a ship in great peril, wherewith he, being moved to pity, kindled up great fires as the night came on, that the light might direct them, and there he himself awaited to see the end. At last, by the skill of the mariners, and above all by the mercy of the true God, the ship that was so often at the point of perishing, took safe harbour. There landed from it some damsels. Agriez sent his huntsmen to assist them, and lodged them in his hunting huts. The mariners, meantime, took their suppers around the fires that he had kindled, and there fell asleep. The prince, after some time, went to the apartment where the damsels were, and coming to the door he saw them seated round a fire, and among them the fair princess, his lady Olinda, daughter of the king of Norway. Amazed at seeing her, he exclaimed, Holy Mary, help me, the lady of my heart! Great joy was there at that meeting, and full happily did those lovers, thus unexpectedly met, pass the night together. Six days they remained there, concealing their love so well that none save her damsels knew what passed. At the end of that time the weather abated. Olinda told him she was on her way to Great Britain to live with Queen Brissina, and there Agriez promised to follow, since he had no reason to visit Norway and at Lisuarte's court he should find his cousin Amadis, and enjoy his lady's company. So they parted, and Olinda took ship again, and arrived safely at the island of Windsor. Now remained Agriez on the shore, giving many a long look after the ship, till having lost sight of it, he returned to Briantes, where the king his father sojourned, and finding there his uncle Galvanese, who was called Lackland, he proposed to him to visit King Lisuarte's court. For there, said he, we may gain honour and fame, which cannot be done in this land. To this Galvanese willingly assented, for he had no lordship to detain him, and they took leave of Languinese, and embarked with their squires and horses, and sailed prosperously till they reached the town called Bristol. There they landed, and proceeded on through a forest till they met a damsel, who inquired if that way led to the rock of Galtares. They told her no, and asked why she went thither. To seek a good knight, who will remedy the trouble I endure, Damsel, said Agriez, you go wrong, for at that rock you will only find the great giant Albanan, and if you take sorrow to him he will double it. But, said she, the knight whom I seek hath slain Albadan in single fight. Certes, damsel, you tell us a wonder. How, quoth Galvanes, for never knight fought singly with a giant, save only King Abiez of Ireland, who fought with one, himself being armed and the giant naked, by which advantage he slew him. Yet was this undertaking thought a madness. Your speeches then sound not to any likelihood, for this Albadan is the fiercest giant in all the islands of the sea. Sirs, said the damsel, this knight hath slain him. And then she related how the battle had been, and that the knight's name was Don Galior, son of the king of Gaul. Ah, damsel, quoth Agriez, you tell me the news in the world that rejoices me most, to hear of my cousin, whom I held as rather dead than alive. But what would you have with him? 
Sir, I seek his aid in behalf of a damsel who was imprisoned on his account by the accusation of a dwarf, the most villainous creature that ever was born. And then she told him what had passed with Galior and the dwarf. But concerning Aldiva's love she said nothing, and because the damsel will not confess what the dwarf hath avouched, the Duke of Bristol hath sworn that within ten days she shall be burnt alive. And this is a great grief to the other ladies, lest the damsel for fear of death should accuse any of them that for her sake Galior came into the castle, and four days of the ten are now past. Agriez answered, Since it is so, you need travel no farther. Guide us thither, and we will perform what Galior should do, if not in strength, yet in good will. So she turned back, and they arrived at the duke's castle the day before the execution should be. The duke was then at table. They dismounted and entered the hall where he was, armed as they were, and he saluted them and bade them eat. Sir, said they, we must first declare the cause of our coming. And Don Galvanes then proceeded. Duke, you detain a damsel prisoner upon the false and wicked accusation of a dwarf. We beseech you to deliver her, because she hath no way misdone. And if it be needful to prove her innocence, let come two others to maintain his quarrel, for we are ready as her defenders. You say much, quoth the Duke, and with that called for the dwarf and asked him what reply he would make. Sir, said he, I have a champion who will prove the truth of what I say. And he called a knight who was his nephew, but so strong and large of limb that he did not look to be of the same kin, and he presented himself to do battle for the accuser. The duke rose from his meal to see the fight. I shall not, said he, determine the damsel's fate by the issue of this battle. Sir, said Agriez, you have imprisoned her upon the dwarf's accusation, and if I defeat his champion, you are bound and right to acquit her. I have told you my mind, replied the duke. Agriez, tarrying for no more words, turned his horse, running a brave career against the dwarf's knight. They break their staves gallantly in the encounter, meeting likewise so furiously with their bodies that they were both laid along the ground. Yet quickly they recovered and unsheathed their swords and delivered fierce and cruel strokes to each other. Their swords were sharp and the knights valiant and haughtily disposed, by means whereof their armor, helmets, and shields were in a short time made of slender resistance. At length the dwarf's nephew gave back and said, We have combated enough, and it appears to me that neither the knight, whose cause you have undertaken, is guilty, nor yet the dwarf my uncle to blame, for otherwise the battle could not have lasted so long. If it please you, then, let them both be held as loyal. Certes, quoth the prince, the knight is a loyal knight, but the dwarf is a false dwarf and a wicked, and I will not leave you till your own mouth confess him so. The battle was then renewed, but the dwarf's nephew was now so sorely pressed that the duke returned, lest he should see his death, and said aloud as he went, Henceforth I swear to take vengeance upon all knights errant. A foolish war hast thou denounced, quoth Galvanes, against errant knights, who go about to redress wrong? but this time his antagonist was at the feet of Agriez, who plucked off his helmet and struck at his face with the hilt of his sword, saying, Confess the disloyalty of the dwarf towards the knight. Ah, gentle knight, quoth he, do not slay me. I own that he for whom you combat is good and loyal, and I promise to gain the damsel's release. But for God's sake do not make me say that the dwarf is false, for he is my uncle and he bred me up. At these words all the assistants marveled, and Agriez was moved to pity. He replied, Let be the dwarf, 
but for you, who are a good knight, I release you, provided you will do your uttermost to deliver the damsel. Whilst this passed, the duke got near the castle, but Galvanese laid hold on his bridle, and pointed where his champion lay at the prince's feet. He is slain or conquered. What say you of the damsel? Knight, you are more than mad, if you think I will do otherwise with her than I have resolved and sworn. And what have you sworn? That she shall be burnt to-morrow, unless she confess for whom she introduced the knight into my palace? What? Will you not deliver her? No, quoth the duke, and if you tarry longer in this land, I shall find you also employment here. As he said this, certain of his attendants came up. Galvanes then let loose the bridle. You threaten us, and you will not release the damsel as right is. Therefore I defy you on my own behalf, and for all errant knights. And I defy you and all, replied the duke, in an evil hour shall any of you come here. Greatly enraged was Agrias at hearing what had passed. A man like this, quoth he, from whom no right can be obtained, should not be the lord of a land. Then he cried to the dwarf's nephew, Remember what thou hast promised. And with that he and his uncle departed. It was now about vespers, and they entered the forest of Arunda. Nephew, said Galvanese, let us lie and wait here for the duke or some of his people. So they turned aside from the path into a thicket, and dismounted, and sent their squires into the town for what things were needful, and there they remained that night. The duke, meantime in great wrath, sent for the damsel, and bade her look to her soul, for she should be burnt to-morrow unless she confessed. But she would disclose nothing. The dwarf's nephew then knelt down and told the duke what he had promised to Agrias, and besought him for God's sake to release the damsel. But the duke swore he would rather lose his whole estates than break the vow he had sworn, and the knight was greatly troubled, for he hoped to have discharged himself of this fealty. In the morning the duke called again for the damsel. Choose, said he, the truth or the fire, one or the other. She replied, You must do your will, but against all right. Then he commanded two knights and twelve men at arms to take charge of her, and he himself mounted his horse with only a truncheon in his hand, and went with them to burn the damsel at the forest edge. And when they arrived and all was ready, he said, Now set fire to her, and let her die in her obstinacy. All this Galvanes and his nephew saw, and as they were already armed they mounted, and commanded one of their squires to attend to nothing but the damsel, but to place her in safety. And then they rode towards the smoke. But now had the damsel so great a fear that she cried out, Sir, I will confess! And the duke came nigh to hear her. When he saw Don Galvanes and Agriez come galloping up, and they cried out, Deliver the damsel! His two knights were lightly dismounted, and his men-at-arms slain or maimed, and he himself fled full speed towards the town, and Galvanes shouted after him, Stay, sir, duke, and make proof of the enemies whom you have defied. The duke speedily armed himself and collected all his company, and sallied out to pursue them. In coming to the forest he divided them into parties of five, and sent them different ways. He himself with his five companions had the lot to find whom he sought. Now, nephew, quoth Galvanes, show your worth. In the combat the duke encountered Agriez. Agriez made a blow at him that only struck his visor, and it went through and sheared his nose clean away, and the duke, who thought he had been slain, turned bridle and galloped away. The prince then turned to his uncle's assistance, and soon forced the two knights, who kept still their saddles, to make the best use of their horses in flight. This battle won, they asked the damsel if there was any place of lodging near. Yes, said she. I know the dwelling of a knight hard by, named Olivas, a mortal enemy to the duke. And she guided them there, where Olivas gave them the better welcome for what had happened. 
The morrow morning, as they were about to depart, Olivas said to them, Sirs, the duke slew my cousin treacherously, and I shall accuse him for this death before King Zuare, and for this I beseech your advice, and your aid as errant knights, who redress wrong, if need should be. That did the knights readily promise, and Olivas accompanied them to Windsor. End of chapter 17 Chapter 18 Of the news which Amadis had of Don Galior, his brother, and how he departed from the court of King Lisuarte to go in quest of him. One day, when Amadis was talking with Queen Brisena, there came a damsel into the palace, who knelt before her, and said, Madam, is there a knight here who bears the lions? The queen, perceiving that she meant Amadis, answered, What would you with him? I bring him tidings of a new knight, who hath made a braver beginning of chivalry than did ever knight before in all the islands. Say you so, said Brisena. Now then tell your tale, for here is the knight whom you seek. Then said the damsel to Amadis, Sir, the fair child whom you knighted before the castle of Braydod, where you conquered the two knights of the bridge, and the three of the Kazi, and took the lord of the castle, and delivered by force of arms, Odiganda's friend, saluteth you by me, as being the man whom he reputeth his lord, and bids me say that he will strive to be a good man, or die in the attempt. And when he shall be such in prowess, he will tell you more of his affairs than you yet know. But if he fail to become such a one as you could esteem, he will still be silent. Then came tears into the eyes of Amadis, so that all the dames and damsels saw he was weeping, for he remembered his brother. Meanwhile the queen, desirous to hear what deeds of prowess the new knight had performed, said to the damsel, I pray you continue your message, and tell us that brave beginning of chivalry you speak of. The damsel then related what she had seen at the rock of Galtares, which, when she had done, the queen asked Amadis if he knew who the knight was, and Amadis told her it was his brother. But Ordiana, who sat too far off to hear what was said, was greatly displeased to see Amadis in tears, and she said to Mabilia, Call your cousin, that we may know what hath happened. And when he came to them, she asked him angrily, from whom the damsel could bring him news that should draw tears. But when he told her, she cried, Pardon me, my lord, that I suspected where there was no cause. Ah, lady, he replied, how can I pardon you who have never offended? But if it please you, may I go and seek my brother? And this he said because he greatly desired to see him, and because he wished to seek adventures wherein renown might be won. Odiana answered, as God shall help me, I should hardly rejoice to see that knight here, and I freely permit you to seek him. But let it seem as if you went at the queen's command. Amadis then went to the queen and said, I would, lady, that we had that knight in the king's company. Yet if he be not sought, it will be long before he will come. In God's name, replied Brisena, seek him then. But when you have found him, forthwith return here. On the morrow Amadis heard mass and departed with only Gandaline. Towards the close of the second day, as he rode through a forest, he met a lady with two damsels and four esquires, and there was a litter with them, and they were all loudly lamenting. Lady, said Amadis, what have you in this litter? I have all my care and my sorrow, said she, a knight, my husband, who was wounded, I fear, to death. Then he approached the litter, and lifting a cloth that covered him, beheld a goodly knight, but his face was all bruised and swollen, and it had many wounds. "'Sir Knight,' said he, "'from whom have you received this injury?' But the knight turned his head a little, and made no reply. The lady answered, "'From a knight who keeps a bridge upon this road, and who hath thus wounded him in hatred to King Zuade, 
upon whom and all his companions he hath vowed revenge for the death of Dardan. Lady, said Amadis, lend me one of your squires to guide me to him, for since for my sake your husband has been so wronged, it behooves me to avenge him. Ah, good knight, said she, God prosper you. So they each went their way, and Amadis rode on till he came to the bridge, and he saw the knight playing at tables with another. But quickly leaving his pastime, he mounted on horseback and rode toward Amadis, and cried, Stay, sir knight, you pass not the bridge, till you are sworn. Sworn what? quoth Amadis. Whether you are of Lisuari's household, if so, you shall lose your head. That, said Amadis, is not quite so certain. I am of the household, the knight of the queen his wife, and have been so since I won the battle for a disinherited lady. By my head, replied he, of the bridge, thou shalt lose thine, for thou hast slain the best of my lineage. Hereupon they gave the spurs to their horses, and breaking their lances met so furiously that the knight of the bridge was thrown to the ground. But by reason the helmet of Amadis was displaced in the encounter, he had leisure to mount again, and to give his enemy three blows with the sword, before Amadis had adjusted the lacings. That done, he of Gaul requited him with one blow on the side of his neck that sent his head dangling upon his breast. Now, said he to the squire, go tell your lady what you have seen. Then Amadis rode on till he came to the end of the forest, and entered a fair plain and wide, and he was delighted with the green herbs that he saw on all sides. Presently there came up an ugly dwarf upon a palfrey, whom he asked whence he came. From the house of the court of Clara. Have you seen there a young knight called Galeor? No, said the dwarf, but in three days I will show you the best knight in this land. Ah, dwarf, lead me then to him. That shall I do, if you will grant me a boon, and go with me where I shall appoint. This Amadis granted, hoping that the knight of whom he spake might be his brother. So they rode on together. The following day, about noon, they saw two knights fighting against one, and Amadis approached and said, Sirs, may it please ye stay a while, and tell me on what occasion your quarrel ariseth. At these words they ceased, and one of them replied, Because this knight maintaineth that he alone is able to achieve as great an enterprise as we two together. Certes, said Amadis, a slight cause, for the goodness of the one diminisheth no jot of the other. They saw that he spake with good reason, and so ended their strife. And they then asked him if he knew the knight who conquered Dardan. Why ask ye, quoth Amadis, because we would gladly meet with him. I know not, he replied, whether your meaning be good or bad, but I saw him not long since in the court of King Lisuarte, and he took leave of them and went his way. The three knights conferred together a little, and then galloped after him. He no sooner heard them than he turned and took his arms. He had no lance, neither had they, having broken them in their quarrel. Alas, my lord, quoth the dwarf, what will ye do? Do ye not see that they are three? I shall defend myself if they attack me, replied Amadis, and by this they came up. Knight, said they, we beg a boon of you, and you must grant it if you would get from us. I shall grant it the sooner, replied Amadis, if it be reasonable. Tell us, then, as a loyal knight, where we may find him by whom Dardan was slain. He, who was now compelled to avow himself, answered, I am he. They exclaimed at once, Ah, traitor, thou diest, and all fell upon him. But Amadis so bestirred himself that only one of them escaped with life from the adventure. Ah, quoth the dwarf, I take a better with me for my boon than I had thought. That night they lodged with a hermit, and had poor fare for their supper. In the morning, about the hour of tears, the dwarf showed him in a pleasant valley 
two tall pine-trees, and under them sat a knight, all armed upon a lusty courser, and two knights, whom he had just dismounted, were endeavouring to catch their horses, and in the same shade another knight lay leaning on his helmet, having his shield by him, and there were twenty lances ready against the tree, and two horses ready caparisoned. There, said the dwarf, he who leans on his helmet is the good knight of whom I spake, Angriot of Estravaz, the best knight that I have heard report of. Why keepeth he there so many lances? The dwarf answered, I can resolve ye. He loveth the lady of this country, who hateth him above all others. Nevertheless he hath prevailed so much in fight, that her parents were constrained to give her to him. After he had gotten her into his power, he thought himself the happiest man in the world. But she told him it was no courtesy to take a damsel against her will, and that she never willingly would be his till he had performed one thing for her, which was that he and his brother should keep this vale of pines for a year against all errant knights, and force them to go to King Lisuati's court, and confess there that she is more beautiful than their mistresses. And this she devised in her great hatred to him, hoping that he would either be slain or provoke many enemies who might protect her against him. For this cause they depart not hence all the daytime, and at night retire to the castle upon yonder brow. Three months have passed, in which time Angriot hath never set hand a spear against any knight, because his brother hath still been conqueror. At the entrance of the valley a squire met them, and said, Sir knight, you pass not on unless you confess the mistress of yonder knight to be fairer than your own. That lie shall I never utter, answered Amadis, and rode on. End of chapter 18 End of chapters 17 and 18